Chapter 29 of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Section 71. Peru, 1746. Peru was visited on the 28th of October, 1746, by a tremendous earthquake. In the first 24 hours, 200 shocks were experienced. The ocean twice retired and returned impetuously upon the land. Lima was destroyed, and part of the coast near Callao was converted into a bay. Four other harbors, among which were Cavalla and Guanape, shared the same fate. There were 23 ships and vessels, great and small, in the harbor of Callao, of which 19 were sunk and the other four, among which was a frigate called Saint Fermin, were carried by the force of the waves to a great distance up the country, and left on dry ground at a considerable height above the sea. The number of inhabitants in this city amounted to four thousand, two hundred only escaped, twenty-two of whom were saved on a small fragment of the fort of Vera Cruz, which remained as the only memorial of the town after this dreadful inundation. Other portions of its site were completely covered with heaps of sand and gravel. A volcano in Lucanas burst forth the same night, and such quantities of water descended from the cone that the whole country was overflowed, and, in the mountaineer Pataz, called Conversiones de Cajamarquilla, three other volcanoes burst out, and frightful torrents of water swept down their sides. There are several records of prior convulsions in Peru, accompanied by similar inroads in the sea, one of which happened fifty-nine years before, in 1687, when the ocean, according to Ulloa, first retired and then returned in a mountainous wave, overwhelming Callao and its environs with the miserable inhabitants. The same wave, according to Lionel Wafer, carried sheep a league into the country and drowned men and beasts for fifty leagues along the shore. Inundations of still earlier dates are carefully recorded by Ulloa, Wafer, Acosta and various writers who describe them as having expended their chief fury, some on one part of the coast and some on another. But all authentic accounts cease when we ascend to the era of the conquest of Peru by the Spaniards. The ancient Peruvians, although far removed from barbarism, were without written annals, and therefore unable to preserve a distinct recollection of a long series of natural events. They had, however, according to Antonio de Herrera, who in the beginning of the 17th century investigated their antiquities, a tradition that many years before the reign of the Incas, at a time when the country was very populous, there happened a great flood the sea breaking beyond its bounds, so that the land was covered with water, and all the people perished. To these the Guacas, inhabiting the vale of Jausca, and the natives of Chiquito in the province of Callao, add that some persons remained in the hollows and caves of the highest mountains, who again peopled the land. Others of the mountain people affirm that all perished in the deluge, only six persons being saved on a float from whom descended all the inhabitants of that country. On the mainland near Lima, and on the neighboring island of St. Lorenzo, Mr. Darwin found proofs that the ancient bed of the sea had been raised to the height of more than 80 feet above water within the human epoch, strata having been discovered at that altitude, containing pieces of cotton thread and plated rush, together with seaweed and marine shells. The same author learned from Mr. Gill, a civil engineer, that he discovered in the interior near Lima, between Casma and Juaras, the dried-up channel of a large river, sometimes worn through solid rock which, instead of continually ascending towards its source, has in one place a steep downward slope in that direction, 
for a ridge or line of hills has been uplifted directly across the bed of the stream, which is now arched. By these changes, the water has been turned into some other course, and a district once fertile and still covered with ruins and bearing the marks of ancient cultivation has been converted into a desert. Java, 1699. On the 5th of January, 1699, a terrible earthquake visited Java, and no less than 208 considerable shocks were reckoned. Many houses in Batavia were overturned, and the flame and noise of a volcanic eruption were seen and heard in that city, which were afterwards found to proceed from Mount Salek, a volcano six days' journey distant. Next morning, the Batavian river, which has its rise from that mountain, became very high and muddy, and brought down abundance of bushes and trees half burned. The channel of the river being stopped up, the water overflowed the country round the gardens about the town, and some of the streets, so that the fishes lay dead in them. All the fish in the river except the carps were killed by the mud and turbid water. A great number of drowned buffaloes, tigers, rhinoceros, deer, apes, and other wild beasts were brought down by the current. And, notwithstanding, observes one of the writers, that the crocodile is amphibious. Several of them were found dead among the rest. It is stated that seven hills bounding the river sank down, by which is merely meant, as by similar expressions in the description of the Calabrian earthquakes, seven great landslips. These hills, descending some from one side of the valley and some from the other, filled the channel, and the waters then, finding their way under the mass, flowed out thick and muddy. The Tangarand River was also dammed up by nine hills, and in its channel were large quantities of drift trees. Seven of its tributaries are also said to have been covered up with earth. A high track of forest land between the two great rivers before mentioned is described as having been changed into an open country destitute of trees, the surface being spread over with fine red clay. This part of the account may perhaps merely refer to the sliding down of woody tracts into the valleys, as happened to so many extensive vineyards and olive grounds in Calabria in 1783. The close packing of large trees in the Batavian River is represented as very remarkable, and it attests in a striking manner the destruction of soil bordering the valleys which had been caused by floods and landslips. Quito, 1698. In Quito, on the 19th of July, 1698, during an earthquake, a great part of the crater and summit of the volcano Quarguarajo fell in, and a stream of water and mud issued from the broken sides of the hill. Sicily, 1693. Shocks of earthquakes spread over all Sicily in 1693, and on the 11th of January, the city of Catania and 49 other places were leveled to the ground, and about 100,000 people killed. The bottom of the sea, says Vicentino Bonagiutus, sunk down considerably, both in ports, enclosed bays, and open parts of the coast, and water bubbled up along the shores. Numerous long fissures of various breaths were caused, which threw out sulfurous water, and one of them in the plain of Catania, the delta of the Cimeto, at a distance of four miles from the sea, sent forth water as salty as the sea. The stone buildings of a street in the city of Noto, for the length of half a mile, sunk into the ground and remained hanging on one side. In another street, an opening large enough to swallow a man and a horse appeared. Malacca, 1693. The small isle of Sorea, which consists of one great volcano, was in eruption in the year 1693. Different parts of the cone fell, one after the other, into a deep crater, until almost half the space of the island was converted into a fire lake. Most of the inhabitants fled to Banda, 
but great pieces of the mountain continued to fall down, so that the lake of lava became wider, and finally the whole population was compelled to emigrate. It is stated that, in proportion as the burning lake increased in size, the earthquakes were less vehement. Jamaica, 1692 In the year 1692, the island of Jamaica was visited by a violent earthquake. The ground swelled and heaved like a rolling sea, and was traversed by numerous cracks, two or three hundred of which were often seen at a time, opening and then closing rapidly again. Many people were swallowed up in these rents, some the earth caught by the middle and squeezed to death. The heads of others only appeared above ground, and some were first engulfed and then cast up again with great quantities of water. Such was the devastation that even in Port Royal, then the capital, where more houses are said to have been left standing than in the whole island besides, three-quarters of the buildings, together with the ground they stood on, sunk down with their inhabitants entirely under water. Subsidence in the harbour the large storehouses on the harbour side subsided so as to be twenty-four, thirty-six, and forty-eight feet under water, yet many of them appear to have remained standing, for it is stated that, after the earthquake, the mastheads of several ships wrecked in the harbour, together with the chimney tops of houses, were just seen projecting above the waves. A tract of land around the town, about a thousand acres in extent, sunk down in less than one minute during the first shock, and the sea immediately rolled in. The Swan frigate, which was repairing in the wharf, was driven over the tops of many buildings and then thrown upon one of the roofs through which it broke. The breadth of one of these streets is said to have been doubled by the earthquake. According to Sir H. de la Beck, the part of Port Royal described as having sunk was built upon newly formed land, consisting of sand, in which piles had been driven, and the settlement of this loose sand, charged with the weight of heavy houses, may, he suggests, have given rise to the subsidence alluded to. There have undoubtedly been instances in Calabria and elsewhere of slides of land on which the houses have still remained standing, and it is possible that such may have been the case at Port Royal. The fact, at least, of submergence is unquestionable, for I was informed by the late Admiral Sir Charles Hamilton that he frequently saw the submerged houses of Port Royal in the year 1780, in that part of the harbour which lies between the town and the usual anchorage of men-of-war. Brian Edwards also says in his History of the West Indies that in 1793 the ruins were visible in clear weather from the boats which sailed over them. Lastly, Lieutenant B. Jeffrey R. N. tells me that being engaged in a survey between the years 1824 and 1835, he repeatedly visited the site in question, where the depth of the water is from four to six fathoms, and whenever there was but little wind, perceived distinct traces of houses. He saw these more clearly when he used the instrument called the diver's eye, which is let down below the ripple of the wave. At several thousand places in Jamaica, the earth is related to have opened, on the north of the island, several plantations with their inhabitants were swallowed up, and the lake appeared in their place, covering above a thousand acres, which afterwards dried up, leaving nothing but sand and gravel, without the least sign that there had ever been a house or a tree there. Several tenements at Yellows were buried under landslips, and one plantation was removed half a mile from its place, the crops continuing to grow upon it uninjured. Between Spanish Town and Sixteen Mile Walk, the high and perpendicular cliffs bounding the river fell in, stopped the passage of the river, and flooded the latter place for nine days, so that the people concluded it had been sunk as Port Royal was. But the flood at length subsided, for the river had found some new passage 
at a great distance. Mountains shattered. The blue and other of the highest mountains are declared to have been strangely torn and rent. They appeared shattered and half-naked, no longer affording a fine green prospect as before, but stripped of their woods and natural verdure. The rivers on these mountains first ceased to flow for about twenty-four hours, and then brought down into the sea, at Port Royal and other places, several hundred thousand tons of timber, which looked like floating islands on the ocean. The trees were in general barked, most of their branches having been torn off in the descent. It is particularly remarked in these, as in the narrative of so many earthquakes, that fish were taken in great numbers on the coast during the shocks. The correspondence of Sir Hans Lone, which collected with care the accounts of eyewitnesses of the catastrophe, refer constantly to subsidences, and some suppose the whole of Jamaica to have sunk down. Reflections on the amount of change in the last 160 years. I have now only enumerated some few of the earthquakes of the last 160 years, respecting which facts illustrative of geological inquiries are on record. Even if my limits permitted, it would be an unprofitable task to examine all the obscure and ambiguous narratives of similar events of earlier epochs, although if the places were now examined by geologists well practiced in the art of interpreting the monuments of physical changes, many events which have happened within the historical era might doubtless be still determined with precision. It must not be imagined that in the above sketch of the occurrences of a short period I have given an account of all or even the greater part of the mutations which the earth has undergone by the agency of subterranean movements. Thus, for example, the earthquake of Aleppo in the present century and of Syria in the middle of the 18th would doubtless have afforded numerous phenomena of great geological importance had those catastrophes been described by scientific observers. The shocks in Syria, 1759, were protracted for three months, throughout a space of 10,000 square leagues, an area compared to which that of the Calabria earthquake in 1783 was insignificant. Akon, Safat, Balbek, Damascus, Sidon, Tripoli, and many other places were almost entirely leveled to the ground. Many thousands of the inhabitants perished in each, and in the valley of Balbek alone, 20,000 men are said to have been victims of the convulsion. In the absence of scientific accounts, it would be as irrelevant to our present purpose to enter into a detailed account of such calamities as to follow the track of an invading army, to enumerate the cities burned or razed to the ground, and reckon the number of individuals who perished by famine or the sword. Deficiency of Historical Records If such then be the amount of ascertained changes in the last 160 years, notwithstanding the extreme deficiency of our records during that brief period, how important must we presume the physical revolutions to have been in the course of thirty or forty centuries during which some countries habitually convulsed by earthquakes have been peopled by civilized nations towns engulfed during one earthquake may by repeated shocks have sunk to great depths beneath the surface while the ruins remain as imperishable as the hardest rocks in which they are enclosed buildings and cities submerged for a time beneath seas or lakes and covered with sedimentary deposits must in some places have been re-elevated to considerable heights above the level of the ocean. The signs of these events have probably been rendered visible by subsequent mutations, as by the encroachments of the sea upon the coast, by deep excavations made by torrents and rivers, by the opening of new ravines and chasms, and other effects of natural agents, so active in districts agitated by subterranean movements. 
If it be asked why, if such wonderful monuments exist, so few have hitherto been brought to light, we reply, because they have not been searched for, in order to rescue from oblivion the memorials of former occurrences, the inquirer must know what he may reasonably expect to discover, and under what peculiar local circumstances. He must be acquainted with the action and effect of physical causes, in order to recognize, explain, and describe correctly the phenomena when they present themselves. The best known of the great volcanic regions of which the boundaries were sketched in the 22nd chapter is that which includes southern Europe, northern Africa, and central Asia. Yet nearly the whole, even of this region, must be laid down in a geological map as terra incognita. Even Calabria may be regarded as unexplored, as also Spain, Portugal, the Barbary States, the Ionian Isles, Asia Minor, Cyprus, Syria, and the countries between the Caspian and Black Seas. We are in truth beginning to obtain some insight into one small spot of that great zone of volcanic disturbance, the district around Naples, a tract by no means remarkable for the violence of the earthquakes which have convulsed it. If in this part of Campania we are unable to establish that considerable changes in the relative level of land and sea have taken place since the Christian era, it is all that we could have expected. And it is to the recent antiquarian and geological research, not to history, that we are principally indebted for the information. I shall now proceed to lay before the reader some of the results of modern investigations in the Bay of Bai and the adjoining coast. Temple of Jupiter, Serapis. This celebrated monument of antiquity, a representation of which is given in the frontispiece, affords in itself alone unequivocal evidence that the relative level of land and sea has changed twice at Puzzuoli since the Christian era, and each movement, both of elevation and subsidence, has exceeded twenty feet. Before examining these proofs, I may observe that a geological examination of the coast of Bailly, both on the north and south of Puzzuoli, establishes, in the most satisfactory manner, an elevation at no remote period of more than twenty feet, and at one point of more than thirty feet, and evidence of this change would have been complete if even the temple had to this day remained undiscovered. Coast south of Puzzuoli If we coast along the shore from Naples to Puzzuoli, we find on approaching the latter place that the lofty and precipitous cliffs of indurated tuff, resembling that of which Naples is built, retire slightly from the sea and that a low-level tract of fertile land of a very different aspect intervenes between the present sea beach and what was evidently the ancient line of coast. The inland cliff may be seen opposite the small island of Nisida, about two miles and a half southeast of Puzzuoli, where, at the height of thirty-two feet above the level of the sea, Mr. Barbaggio observed an ancient mark, such as might have been worn by the waves, and, upon further examination, discovered that, along that line, the face of the perpendicular rock, consisting of very hard tuff, was covered with barnacles, balanos sulcatus, and drilled by boring testacea. Some of the hollows of the lithotomy contained the shells, while others were filled with the valves of a species of area. Nearer to Puzzuoli, the inland cliff is eighty feet high, and as perpendicular as if it was still undermined by the waves. At its base, a new deposit constituting the fertile tract above alluded to attains a height of about twenty feet above the sea, and since it is composed of regular sedimentary deposits, contained marine shells. Its position proves that, subsequently to its formation, 
there has been a change of more than 20 feet in the relative level of land and sea. The sea encroaches on these new incoherent strata, and as the soil is valuable, a wall has been built for its protection. But when I visited the spot in 1828, the waves had swept away part of this rampart, and exposed to view a regular series of strata of tough, more or less argillaceous, alternating with beds of pumice and lapilli, and containing great abundance of marine shells, of species now common on this coast, and amongst them Cardium rusticum, Austria edulis, Donax trunculus, and others. The strata vary from about a foot to a foot and a half in thickness, and one of them contains abundantly remains of works of art, tiles, squares of mosaic pavement of different colors, and small sculptured ornaments perfectly uninjured. Intermixed with these, I collected some teeth of the pig and ox. These fragments of building occur below as well as above strata containing marine shells. Puzzuoli itself stands chiefly on a promontory of the older tophaceous formation, which cuts off the new deposit, although I detected a small patch of the latter in a garden under the town. From the town the ruins of a mole called Caligula's Bridge ran out into the sea. This mole, which is believed to be 18 centuries old, consists of a number of piers and arches, thirteenth of which are now standing, and two others appear to have been overthrown. Mr. Babash found on the sixth pier perforations of the lithotomy, four feet above the level of the sea, and, near the termination of the mole on the last pier but one, marks of the same, ten feet above the level of the sea, together with great numbers of balani and flustra. The depth of the sea at very small distance from most of the piers is from thirty to fifty feet. End of section seventy-one